Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz, and I am excited that you have joined me another week as we get to get into God's Word. Yes, we get the privilege as a community, the Wave community, to get into God's Word so that we can digest His Word, live His Word. My prayer for you is that you're growing daily, um, that as you listen to this weekly, that is, is, is your weeks are becoming days and your days are becoming moments and your moments are becoming seconds in the presence of God and that you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you hunger and thirst after his presence. Um, listen, I pray that you're not uh, getting drawn in from the outside in, but you're drawn from the inside out, that the spirit of God that dwells within your mortal body is flowing out of you, through you, in you. And I'm just excited. I just wanted to let you know, you as the listener, um, we keep on uh, getting more and more each week. We get more and more listeners. I know a lot of you are sharing uh, the podcast, and we're going to continue to ask you to share the podcast. Uh, Please uh, give us five stars. Um, Also, if you want to leave a comment, leave a comment. Uh, That's how we get the algorithms and, and, you know, the whole thing that happens with podcasts, but I'm excited to join you this week uh, because I believe the next two weeks uh, is really, I'm going to share things in scripture that have been burning in my heart for years. And I'm going to say that it's been three or four years. Uh, folks have asked of me to put this down on a book. So I'm hoping that what I'm going to about to share with you is still burning deep inside of me, but uh, it's going to be two part series on identity, but hopefully one day we can make it into a book. And I, you're going to have to take a lot of notes. You're probably going to have to listen to both of these over and over uh, because I believe that the number one attack against humanity is misidentification and that the enemy is trying to steal our identity as sons and daughters of the king. And uh, we're going to show you that through scripture. We're going to show you that through uh, just getting inside the word. So um, let's just get dive in. Let's open up our hearts and our spirit. Um, I would love to engage in conversation for those who want to talk more about it. You can always reach me at uh, Daniel at the wave Columbus.com. So D A N I E L at the wave Columbus.com. And uh, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to hear from you uh, as you, the listener are hearing weekly. Um, this is a community and we want to get the community together. So let's start. Uh, we want to jump in. So this is identity part one, and we're going to talk about sons and daughters um, and we're going to talk about, uh, let's go to jump, jump in John 1, 12. John 1, 12 says this, but as many as receive him to them, he gave, he, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But as many as receive him, thank God that Yeshua HaMashiach, I love John three sixteen. Um, it was in my heart this week. That God loved the word, that he gave this gift, the best gift that the earth has ever received was Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, because of what he did and conquered on the earth, then gave you and I power to become sons or children of God um, as we believe in him. This is what Romans 8, 14, 17 says. For as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now we stop by this. And then we get into this judgmental attitude. And I don't know if uh, people have heard it or maybe you yourself. I know I have been uh, with a judgment 
uh, judgmental attitude that God had to deal with me because I only read that part. And I'm, oh, you're not led by the Spirit. You're not sons of God. No, read the whole thing, Danny Ortiz. Don't stop in verse 14. Remember, context and content is really important to God. So contextual reading is important. For It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and then joins heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So the Holy Spirit not only leads us and guides us to a truth, but the Holy Spirit then leads us into a realm of knowledge, of sonship, that we would not never have unless the Holy Spirit was on earth. So when Jesus released the Holy Spirit after he said it was finished, he said one great is coming out. He said he's coming to not to only baptize you in the with, 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 the, with the Holy Spirit of fire, but that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to teach you all things about Christ. Well, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is teaching you about Christ is that Jesus was the open door, that you can become the son and daughter of God, and you can only cry out, Abba, Father. You can only know the adoption through the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not in operation, you won't know the identity of sonship in your life, right? And so understand this, that the enemy, I'm going to say this really loud so you can hear me, the enemy is after your identity as a son and daughter. And so that's why he's always attacking the personhood of Jesus, and he's always attacking who the Holy Spirit is, right? Many churches have got rid of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit anymore. They don't want to, uh, because they think that the Holy Spirit is a gift. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. And without the Holy Spirit, you can't even know that you are a son and daughter of the King. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, or when the Holy Spirit quickens you, he teaches you and he shows you and he bears witness with you. There's no fear. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. You have life and you are adopted into the kingdom of God. When you say yes to Yeshua HaMashiach, you are now adopted to this kingdom and you will have full rights, just like Jesus have the rights as a son. You have full rights. Now, I know that sounds almost sacrilegious, but I'm going to show you in John 17 here in a little bit that Jesus himself tells you that you are loved the same way that he's loved. So with the same love the father has for the son Jesus, he has for you as a son or daughter of the king. Now, the enemy wants to lie. He wants to kill and destroy and wants to steal what? Identity. Revelation 12.4. Go with me to Revelation 12.4. Revelation 12.4 says this. See, the enemy tactics, uh, tactics, uh, if I'm saying that right, but his plan, right, his his divisive plan is to steal identity from you. Now, this is not nothing new. It's always been from the foundation, and we're going to go to that later when we see he did the same thing to Eve. But look what it says in, in, in Revelation 12, 4. His tail drew who? His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, who's this dragon? Who drew the third of the stars? Well, verse 9 says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil. And Satan, who what? Who deceives the whole world? Who deceives the whole world? Who deceives the whole world? He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, the enemy has uh, one weapon, 
and that weapon is deception. Now he uses that weapon uh, in, in, in two ways. Number one, he'll try to um, take you out before you're born in deception. So he'll deceive uh, anything around you to kill that baby that's inside of you, right? Because he understands once that baby's born, that baby is made in the image of God. And all that person has to do is repent, which is change the way they think about who made them and how they were made, that they were made in the image of God to be children of God and to operate on earth as children of God. So he understands that. So what he does in verse four, he waits to devour the seed. So the enemy is constantly, this plan of devouring the seed didn't just start with the abortion now. It didn't just start with trying to eliminate babies with Jesus. It didn't just start when he was trying to eliminate babies with Moses. No, it started from the foundations. When he was cast down, he knew one way I can, one way I can come against the children of God is by wiping them out before they even know who they are and before they even born. So that's what he tries to do. He devours the seed. If he can't do that, once you get on the earth, he spends the rest of your time on earth doing one thing, deceiving you from you knowing your potential and who you are in the creation of what God created you as a son or daughter of the king. So he doesn't want the potential of a son and daughter, a mature son and daughter of God. He doesn't want that person to know who they are and know who they are. He doesn't want that person. So he's constantly attacking and deception. That's why religion is the strongest spirit on earth. Yes, I said it. Religion is the strongest. Why? Because religion plays as a substitute for the real relationship that God wants to have with his children so that their children can operate in what? In heavenly dominion on earth and be sons and daughters of the king, operating like kings and daughters of kings on earth. Right? And so the enemy's constantly attacking. So Jesus comes to reinstate us. When Jesus defeats the enemy and Revelation uh, tells us that he has the, the keys of sin and death, when he tells us that, he came to do what? He comes to destroy the works of Satan. Why? So that Satan cannot have a stronghold over your life anymore, right? And so that he can't continue to deceive you, right? And he comes to give you freedom from that deception. Now, look at what the, the word says in Romans 8, 28 uh, to 29, going back to uh, Romans 8. The verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. I'm saying that. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be, be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is the first fully mature son that does not sin, that does not partake of any sin. So that what? So that now he'd be the first one to say, if I can do it, you can do it. But I come to identify you. I come to break the curse of sin and death. I come to break these things so that you can have full right as a son and daughter. Knowing, knowing that he had to empathize with you. Because knowing that you're going to have it strong. And knowing that the enemy is going to come. Look what the word says in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. The word tells us in 1 John 1, 8, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, the truth is not in you. Meaning what? Meaning that he knew that sin was going to try to dominate your life. But he also knew 
I got to deal with the identity issue because sin takes its root when identity is gone. I'm going to say it again. Sin takes root when identity is gone. So when the enemy can steal your identity, you sin as a byproduct of not knowing who you are. I'm going to show you that through scripture. I'm going to show you through the, through, through, through the New Testament and the Old Testament. Now, we have to know that God loves us so much. And he loves us in the same manner he loves Jesus that he said, I got, I'm going to make a way through my son that my other sons and daughters will finally know who they are. And by them know who they are, they can defeat the deceptive lie of the enemy by them walking in true identity of sons and daughters. Not, not, he's not saying that you're not going to fail. He's not saying that you're not going to do anything wrong. He's not saying that you're not going to live sometimes a life that's not pleasing. All that is true. But he, want, he wants you to know, just like he tells us in the prodigal son, that even in all that mess, his love is too for you. Now, I know some religious folks can't take this kind of, kind of speaking because it's, it messes with them that God loves me. Yes, Romans, Romans uh, 5.8 was my favorite scripture. How did God demonstrate his love for you? That while you were yet a sinner, he still died. Meaning in your worst condition, he said, I got to die because I'm going to send my son Jesus to die so that he can once and for all break the chains of sin so that my sons and daughters know that I love them just the way they are. Even in their mess, I love them. They won't be able to receive it unless they understand my love for them. Now look at what the word says in John 17. This is Jesus' final prayer over us. I didn't write this. Jesus wrote it. Look what he says. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's his oneness with the Father. Oneness as you being his children and as Jesus being the eldest brethren. Oneness is his heart. Look at it. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How did the world know that you sent me? Because we all one with him. And the glory which you gave to me, I give them to them. I mean, this is another level. Jesus gives us his glory. That they may be one just as we are one. Then he says this, verse 23, very carefully. Verse 23, John 17, verse 23. In them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I'm going to say that again. That... God Abba loves you as he loves Jesus. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. You don't know how awful I've sinned. I don't care how awful you sin. Well, you're telling me that Jesus don't care about sin? God doesn't care about sin? Jesus defeated sin. That's why he cares about it. He defeated it 2,000 years ago when he said it was finished. Now, the reason that you, we continue to sin and we live a life of sin it's because we believe the lie of the enemy about ourselves and about God. And as a byproduct, we continue to sin. Now, this is not, again, this is not a new trick. This has been the theme of the enemy all the way from the garden. Now, let's, show, let's see Jesus's journey and Eve's journey and see how the enemy has done with them. What the enemy did with Eve, he tried to do with Jesus and continues to do with us. So let's go look at Matthew 3.17. Remember, this is identity part one, sons and daughters. You are a son and daughter, not because you can behave like a son and daughter. You are a son and daughter because Jesus defeated 
sin and because he was risen on the third day and now sitting at the right hand side of the father and all authority is given to him and he's king. That's why you're a son and daughter. Not that you can be perfect. Not that, no, it's in what Jesus already have done. And so because I believe in what Jesus had done, then I believe in my identity. I'm a son. You are son and daughter because Jesus became the perfect son. Ah, are you hearing me? He became the perfect son and he defeated sin once and for all so that you now can live a life of sonship. This is what happens. Matthew 3, 17. And again, I, I, I pray that this becomes uh, uh, something that, that becomes life to you and that we can speak to other people. Look at what it says. In verse, verse, verse 16, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, heaven, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending. Remember the Holy Spirit, the one that helps us identify our sonship. He was here. He the one that affirms the words of the father in our lives. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Right now, I pray that Holy Spirit, you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, God. Descending like a dove, landing upon Jesus. He came upon him. And then verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. This is my beloved Akapetos, Akapetos is the word here. This is my beloved son. That word beloved means worthy of love. This is my son who is already worthy of love. Now, my question to you, believer, brother and sister that listening to me, what is God pleased about? He said, I'm, I'm well pleased. Not only that I'm pleased, I'm well pleased in my beloved son. He's 30 years old, has not done one miracle, has not cast out one devil, has not demonstrated sonship. He's just living in his identity as a son. And that pleased the heart of the father because he says, my son already knows that my eyes are for him and he's my beloved and I'm wildly in love with him. My son already knows that I'm wildly in love with him. My son already knows that I'm for him. My son already knows that I got his back. See, the enemy is trying to steal that belovedness from you and I. We're still trying to justify our way into getting God's attention. And God is saying, I am already yours. My eyes are already on you. I'm already for you and not against you. You are my beloved and nothing can shake you from that love. No height, no death. No matter what you do can help separate me from that love because I got my eyes on you. Now, some of you may be saying, this is too good to be true. That's the gospel. The gospel is too good to be true. How could a, a holy God love a sinful nature like me? Because his love is for us, always. He is a good father. He's, he, he's his father nature. And Jesus shows us the father's nature. Now, listen to what happens. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Next verse, next chapter, next verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, after the Father affirms the Son as beloved, the Spirit of God, this is a dichotomy. This is an oxymoron. Why would the Spirit uh, lead Jesus to be tempted? No, 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 no. 
There's, 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 there's reasons to everything. Listen what the next two verses give you the answer. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Meaning, I know that I'm beloved. I know what the father already told me 40 days ago when he told me I was beloved. You're telling me to perform so that I can prove my sonship to you. See, the enemy in religion, you, you all know you are in religion when you are performance-based. You know when you're in relationship when you are in identity base. I'm a son, not because I can perform as a son. I'm a son because he made me a son, right? And so religion, what religion wants to do in religion lies to us and say, perform to get God's attention. Perform, see the enemy thought he was smart. He said, if you are the son of God, that's not what God called him. He just didn't call him son. He called him beloved son. Jesus never forgot his belovedness. Jesus knew I'm already worthy of love. Weren't you trying to steal my worthiness of me? I'm worthy not because I can turn bread into stone. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm worthy because he calls me his own. And I have come out of him. And he calls me a son that he's pleased with. I don't have to perform to get him to be pleased. I'm, I, I just understand who I am. And in walking in who I am, then I please the father. See, a lot of us are not comfortable with ourselves. And we're not comfortable with being alone with ourselves because we don't want to be alone with the God-likeness of who we are. And we, because we live with ourselves and we don't like ourselves, we think God doesn't like us. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it one step further. God not only likes you, God is in love with you. The Father is in love with you. And he's doing everything in human history to show you how much he loves you. Now, this tactic that the enemy used here, he's still using it today. And he started using it not this day with Jesus. He started using it in Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Look at what the word says. The enemy did the same thing. Perform for me. Perform for me. Perform for me. If, if he says of this about you, perform for me. Perform. If, and, and so the enemy's constantly lying to us and saying, well, you can't be a son of God. You, you don't pray enough. Can I, can I help you out? You're not going to ever pray enough to become a son of God. You're already a son of God. You're never going to fast. Enough. We take fasting as a weapon to manipulate God. We don't even know fasting is about us, not about God. And so well, you, if you didn't fast enough, you're not a son of God. See, all those are lies because what it's trying to get you to do is perform. You don't have to perform for your identity. You just have to receive it and walk out your identity. You have to believe it and receive that he's calling you son. You have to believe that God woke up this woke up when you woke up this morning with his eyes and attention on you and said, I'm madly in love with this kid. If, if he knew, if she knew how much I loved them. Now, look at this. I'm going to try to read it quick, chapter three, because I don't want to stay longer than 30 minutes because I'm going to go next week and go to part two. Look at what it says. Chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field uh, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, of, of the trees of the garden. 
but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God said, ye shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, in having a conversation with the deceiver and the liar, she comes out with this touching. Now, remember, touching has to do with what? God never said that in Genesis uh, chapter 2. God said, just don't eat. Now, she took upon herself because she's talking to a liar that's talking about touching. Why? Because it's always performance when it comes to Satan. Satan always wants to perform. So touching is always a performing. Now, look at what the serpent said to her. The serpent said to the woman in verse 4, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Like God, I thought the word tells me in Genesis 1, verse chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. I thought I'm already like God, Eve. Eve, you're already like God. Eve, it's like you want to yell at Eve right now and say, Eve, you're already like God. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree was desirable to make one wise, she took it, she performed for identity. She took of it of the fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate of it. So she's performing. Oh, you mean if I do this, then I'll be it? No, 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 Eve, you already are like God. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to her, verse 9, sinful man, sinner, sinners in the hand of an angry God. I'm going to burn you. No, that's not what you hear. Now, we got to point this before we go to this. This is the last point I'm going to make. Be, uh, there's one more point I'm going to make before this last point. It's this. You see how the enemy lied to Eve about who she was. And because she believed who she was, she sinned. Now, I'm going to say something that sounds almost sacrilegious. But it's not sacrilegious. It's the truth. Sin is a byproduct of misidentification. The enemy is not as concerned as you sinning as him as concerned as you being misidentified. Why? Because sin was eradicated once and for all by Jesus. Now the enemy lies to us. And because he lies to us about who we are, we are spending our lives sinning because we don't know who we are. Right? And, and we can never stop sinning in the sense of you're never going to be a perfect man. You're going to die with some sin inside of you. Now, you have to believe this. I, again, this is going to break some religious things. Now, I know they've taught you when you was a kid, oh, if you're driving in a car, you hit somebody, you cuss, you're going to go to hell. No, that's not the God we serve. The God we serve loves you so much that, listen, he understood your flesh is going to be weak. So he's, he took once and for all, perfect man, one perfect man. There's only one perfect man, only one man, only one way that man can be saved. It's through Jesus. It's not through your works. It's not through our, that's a lie of religion that says you're going to outwork somebody else and you're going to be sinless. You're not going to be sinless, though you start sinning less. You're not going to be sinless. But doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God hasn't chose you as a son. Doesn't mean that you're not his son. Doesn't mean that you're not his daughter. 
You saw his son, his daughter. You saw, you saw his beloved. He knows that you're going to deal with sin. He knows because the enemy is going to always deceive you that you're going to be in this constant struggle with your flesh and sin. But he, he has you in a process of sanctification. But you ain't going to be glorifying perfect until you see him face to face. Don't let the enemy lie to you with religion and tell you, oh, you're going to get rid of all of it on this earth. You can't until you see him face to face. So don't let him lie to you. Now, look it. Religion has told us that God can't look upon sin. But look at what the Bible says. He's not rejecting Adam and Eve because they sin. He wants them. He's asking for them. Where are you? I can't find you. He didn't know where their proximity was or their destination was. He wanted Adam and Eve to know where Adam and Eve are with him. But it was not that he was trying to reject them. He's trying to say, I know what you've done. I know where you are, but I still love you anyway, and I'm still calling. So this first part and this first part of identity, part one, know this, that God is still calling you. No matter how far you think, he's still saying the same thing he told Adam and Eve. Where are you? He's saying to you and all, where are you? I want you and I've destined you. Not only did he cry out, I want you there. He said, I want you so bad that in John 3, 16, he says, I love you so much that I gave my only son so that my son could make a way that you and I could be together. And then he says in verse 17, and my son, listen, I didn't write this down. I just read it. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Pay the ultimate price so that you and I can be sons and daughters of the king. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you're not a son and daughter because you're battling sin. Sin is a byproduct of you not knowing who you are. Now, when you once you know who you are and God continues to deal with your identity with him, the closer you get to God, the closer he reveals you to himself and himself to you. And again, not that you're going to be sinless, but you begin to start sinning less because those sins don't have to affirm you anymore. And we're going to talk about sin and how sin still gets in the way and what we do to think that we're showing God an image of us that we want. We'll talk about that next week. We love you. Thank you for spending the time. Tell me and uh, listen, email me. Let me know that this is blessing you. I know some of it is hard to receive, but I love to just walk it through the scriptures. You have an identity as a son and daughter of God, not because you can work your way into it, not because you earn your way into it, but because Jesus took upon our sins on the cross and he allowed freedom for you and I to be sons and daughters. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.